0: this is the west virginia soccer association beyond the pitch podcast on the wvsa digital network from the sport Pens international studios in charleston west virginia here's your host marcus cole welcome to the podcast we have another great show on tap before we welcome our guests i want to remind you to like subscribe and share our program Now, this helps us get the word out to others and let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. With us today is Tommy Geis, Assistant Technical Director at Massachusetts Youth Soccer. Tommy, welcome to the program.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me. We
0: appreciate you being here and the reason why we have Tommy on the program is um, obviously West Virginia Soccer Association, we uh, follow all the other 55 state associations within USU soccer and Massachusetts was getting ready to do a webinar about Lopsided matches. And I thought, wow, this is such a great idea and a wonderful topic to talk about with coaches because, you know, no matter how long you've been coaching, you've been on both sides of. table you've been on the side where you've been getting pounded and then there's the other side where you've been up on a team and we wanted to talk to tommy a little bit about that and maybe provide some insight and provide some advice and tips for coaches that may find themselves during the season on either side of the spectrum so tommy why don't we go ahead and dive right into things what is the biggest thing everyone needs to keep in mind in this situation
1: That's actually a loaded question, because there's a lot of things to keep in mind. And as everybody uses the proverbial, it's always about the children. Well, it is. Um, But having said that, as you had mentioned that these are they do happen. I mean, it's not like somebody looks forward to it, because it's not excited to be on either side of it. It's not enjoyable. But it is something that we do have to deal with, for whatever reason. And the The most important thing is there's a lot of entities involved. You have both coaches, you have players on both teams, you have parents, you have referees. And we're all trying to get the same outcome. We're trying to get the children through the game in a safe way and make it as much of a learning experience as possible for everyone. And it really does take that village mentality to make sure it is an enjoyable learning environment for them.
0: I know I've been on probably every single side that you have mentioned from a coach that, you know, was getting wallop to a coach that was up pretty good on a team to a parent on the side, so- you know, both sides. And even as a referee, because uh, I know I felt very, very uncomfortable as a referee officiating a match like that, because, you know, I mean, you just feel for both sides. Um Say I am a coach, I'm a grassroots coach, and my team starts to pull away from this other team. What suggestions would you make to help the situation?
1: There are three moments in the game. There's the the pregame, there's the actual game itself, and then there's a postgame. And and the areas that would come into play are both the the pregame and the during game events or actions that might take place. So if you think about what you do before the game and how you prepare your players for what might happen, whether it's in training, whether it's a pregame discussion, what are you going to do when it happens? But also as a coach, trying to identify before it actually starts happening. Usually the more experience you have as a coach, the easier it is to do. But even for the novice coach, many times you could tell pretty quickly that a team is probably not going to be able to match up with you evenly. So you almost want to start taking action steps before it gets to the point that you cannot possibly reel it back in. Because once it gets to that point, trying to tell players or asking players to do different things is really not developmental anymore because the other team may not be providing any kind of uh, opposition to it. So if you can recognize these early and try to start taking preventative actions, such as if you give your players certain challenges, once the game gets out of hand, maybe as soon as the game gets to two goals, if they happen pretty quick, you could start with that or even start the game with those challenges. I've found in my experiences as a coach, which I have about a little over 20 years before I got into the state association side of it and more on the coaching education, but I spent about 20 years in the trenches, boots on the ground, if you will, in those environments. And it's one that many times I would almost try to give my players challenges before the game, regardless of whether or not I knew the outcome or felt comfortable with the outcome, because when there's life in the opponent, then my players are going to have to make decisions, which in turn will make them better players, better recognizing situations. If I have to lift it. Because it really isn't working out the way I want or I see frustration is setting in. I find it's a lot easier to ask the players to stop doing something than it is to ask them to do something once that train starts going out of control.
0: You know, um, I had an experience um... Many years ago, uh, when I first came to this association, and I was the commissioner of the state league, and we had a match going on uh, at one of our locations, and um, it started getting—and this was a competitive, uh, competitive event—and I saw the wheels start to come off for one team, and I did not notice this being a, you know, a neutral third party watching the match, but the coach that was up. Um, started slowly but surely removing some of their players from the field of play and playing down to allow for more of a challenge. And he was not very obvious about it. You know, he pulled one of his kids over to the side and said, go tell the referee that you're going to be coming off the field a play because of this situation and get permission before you do it. And then, you know, during a throw in or, or, or goal kick or whatever, he said, you can come off. And next thing I know, they're playing down a couple of players, but I don't think anybody else really noticed it. But the match became a lot more competitive, which I, I thought was a
1: wonderful idea. What are your thoughts on that? Those I think are great ideas and and not only because of what he did, but how we went about it also that concept of not shouting out let's get 400 passes before we go forward is really demoralizing in the meaning to the other team, but just very quietly taking a player off without broadcasting, it is uh, respectful. Uh, it is showing that you're you're trying to take steps to help. Uh It could even be helpful to start sharing conversations with the other coach and and before the game, during the game, and just start that collaboration going that, hey, here's the situation we're in. There's not much you can do. If you happen to be better than it, it's one or two things. You keep going full speed ahead or you try to start taking preventative actions. And most people would kind of appreciate subtle preventative actions that don't involve you shouting out. What they should or shouldn't do just to keep the game in hand. So, I was that's a very positive example of how a coach can subtly manipulate the game uh, and be respectful to everybody involved as well.
0: That was that was my biggest thing, too, and that you brought up was the fact that he was being very respectful about it and was doing it in a manner as to not embarrass anybody in the process. And like I said, I I didn't notice that he did it until halftime came and he came over to talk to me and said, listen, here's what we were doing. Uh, That kind of thing. And he had a halftime conversation uh, with the other opposing coach and talked to them about it. So I thought it was really great. Um, Now, if I'm the coach that's on the other end of the spectrum, and I'm getting uh, hammered, um, what should I be doing as a coach to keep my team as motivated as possible and try to make the best out of the situation?
1: Well, a lot of with coaching education right now, it's really geared towards the interactions and relationships you have with the players, how you prepare them, how you help them deal with those emotions, with those feelings that happen, because it is a frustrating situation for players to be in. There could be some anger. There could be some disappointment. There could be some sense of failure. But when a coach understands the game environment and prepares them for situations, and hopefully it's not something that happens often, but a good practice for coaches at any level is you go into a game with certain goals. With the players, it's agreed upon that, hey, what can we do better today? So let's try to do this better today you can't always control scoring goals. You can't always control the opponent's scoring goals. For example, if you're at a younger age group and you have a, a, a goalkeeper who's less than five feet tall, and that's his turn to play in goal, anybody shooting high has a good chance of scoring. And if that happens a few times early in the game, the game could get away from you. But it's one of those things that you might look at the goalkeeper in that case. It's said, okay, so let's look at these and what ones could you have saved? what were the realistic ones because I can't make you taller in the course of this game, but maybe one was, he could have gotten his foot to it or maybe one was savable, but he dropped it. So then you focus on those things that are actually in the player's control and the players can then visualize, these are the steps we could have taken. And if you, if you go deeper with it as a coach, as you start processing that, you're also teaching the players in a sense of life lessons is there are certain things that are in your control. There are certain things that are not. <clears throat> as far as field players are concerned, maybe your goal game for the day is we want to see how often we can connect five players to move the ball from our half to the opponent's half. How many times did we do that? So it kind of takes the focus away from the score. And it doesn't mean that scoring is not important. And it doesn't mean that you're not trying to win the game. I mean, ultimately you're out there playing the game. Yes, you are trying to win, but you're also trying to protect the integrity of the players and the integrity of the game. Players play to win, coaches coach to develop. And if you're doing your job right as the coach, then chances are you have more successes than failures. But helping the players realize that in order for us to be successful and score goals, these are some things that we need to do.
0: Awesome. I mean, yeah, and 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 I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's a saying that I always say constantly. I tell my kids this: control the controllables. I say because everything else is outside of your control, and why get worked up about it? But you're so right. Control the controllables. Now. We're talking with Tommy Geis, Assistant Technical Director at Massachusetts Youth Soccer about dealing with lopsided matches that you may experience during your season. Um, if I'm a parent on the sideline, um, what can I do on both sides, whether you know, the t- my, team, you know, my child's team is up or my child's team is down, what can I do to help them with the situation and try to make it as you know, positive as possible?
1: This would, And th- this is very interesting because this is a point we talked about the coaches about the pregame and the during game, where it's with the parents. It's, it is more along the lines of during the game and post game. During the game, it is, and, and the coach can help with this, so the coach still doing the, the pregame bit, is normalize it. It is, It does happen in all sports from time to time. It's nothing that anybody wishes for, so, but it could happen. So the more the parents can come across, instead of going into panic mode, that the, the worst thing in the world is possibly happening. It is helping your child understand that this is part of sports. It's an, it's an unpleasant part of sports, but it does happen. And so during the game, stay positive encourage what the players are doing well not just pointing out the flaws and after the game be patient still with them allow them to talk to you about it it's one of the fears of children of getting in the car after a game and getting a debriefing and more often than not they're not ready to talk about it So let them start the conversation, let your child or children start the conversation and then help them come up with the reasons why instead of pointing out the flaws, what could you have done better? What did you see that you could have helped? It's not your teammates fault. It's not one player is better than the other players. It is helping them understand what their role is and how they can help. Even if you watch a game on TV, Somebody's going to be a very strong player. Somebody may not be as strong, but that's going to influence the decisions the stronger player might have to do to help in these negative situations, if you want to call it that.
0: Another question that I have for you, and I'm not quite sure how much insight uh, that you would have as uh, assistant technical director, but do you think that there's anything that a referee can do in these lopsided matches? And I'm not talking about cheating or anything. I'm not talking about calling fouls for the team that's down more or anything like that. But I mean, do you think that there are some things that a referee could do to help the situation? Cause I know I was extremely uncomfortable and it was so hard to, to, you know, the balls in the back of the net again. And then, you know, you stop
1: play and that type of thing. What advice would you have? I, in the past, as many of us did as soccer players, we grew up being referees. So I was on that side of it for a while. And a few of the lessons I've learned from the experienced referees, mentor referees, if you will, about these situations. And actually, as I was putting this presentation together, I reached out to some of them. And some of the collaboration that we had with, or the discussion that we had with that is, Ultimately, the referee's job is to maintain the safety of the game. And when you start seeing that the emotions, if emotions are flying or uh, players are playing in a way that may not be safe, it's important that the referees continue to do what they do very often well, is maintain the safety of the game. Communicate with the players, communicate with the coaches, you know, make sure that you know, we're working together here. We're, we're here to help you. And ultimately, as always, and this kind of goes without saying, but continue to maintain that integrity of the game of soccer. They're, they're already doing it. But at times, sometimes much like the players, it's not an exciting game to referee. So show that enthusiasm for the players because that shows them that you're, you still care about the game. And that's going to keep their excitement going on. And sometimes the best referees don't necessarily have to make the right calls, but they're there. They're there, you know, saying some words to a player. It's like, be careful. Whatever it might, whatever words of wisdom or words of advice they give, not coaching, but just giving them support to help them safely get through the game.
0: That's the, and that's the key word that you just said, support. That's the, the referee support which is great. Um, In closing here, uh, Tommy, if you could just give one piece of advice to everyone from coaches to parents, to referees, everybody, if they find themselves involved in a lopsided match, no matter what side that they're on, what's that one piece of advice?
1: We're all in this together. So, it's in, and to kind of elaborate on that a little, it's not the winning coach's fault. It's not the losing coach's fault. It's not the, the players at fault. It's not the parents. It's not the referee, but we all are in this together. So work together. And if somebody chooses not to, well, again, as you had mentioned before, in agreement that that's a not controllable but the environments out there that you can't control as far as the coaches collaborating, working together, being proactive to help your players deal with the situation as the players and the parents, hopefully we can normalize this and the referees maintaining that integrity. So it is a part of the game and please work together to make the best of a, of a uncomfortable situation for everyone. Such great
0: advice. Um, I've really enjoyed this. Tommy Geis, Assistant Technical Director, Massachusetts Youth Soccer. Tommy, thank you so much, number one, for coming on the podcast, and number two, thank you for tackling this subject uh, for the webinar that you guys did for your state association, and I'm so glad that I ran across it because I think it's, I, I think this Very, very valuable information for our members, uh, everywhere, coaches, parents, everybody. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I really
0: enjoyed it. And thank you for listening to the show. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network. Or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2022.
1: All rights reserved.